So we're once again joined uh, by Jason Hanley here on the Happy Cast, uh, season two, episode thirty-three point five. Apparently, that's what Dylan coded it as uh, when I popped this open. So, not you know, which makes sense. So we're picking uh, right off, or picking up right off from where we la- uh, were last time. Um, so we're going to talk about uh, the second half of Jason's race, which I'm personally excited for because I know uh, uh, if anyone's familiar with Bigfoot, you know, this is you know the second half of that race gets pretty gnarly. Uh, the whole thing's pretty gnarly, but um, excited to hear um, his point of view and some of his recapping, and also. Can this guy please have some shit go wrong? Because honestly, like, did he really have the perfect race? I'm hoping that wasn't the case. Um, and then after we finish off the recap, we're going to talk uh, about Wild Sense Goods, as Jason Hanley is the owner uh, and operator of that uh, company. That's um, and how he juggled uh, that while preparing for uh, Bigfoot 200. You know, launching something like that and then having to train, especially in Texas for Bigfoot. I mean, but by all accounts so far, it seems like everything went swimmingly well. Nothing went wrong. I guess he may have slipped off a log, got his feet wet a bit. Um, but up until now, like I'm irrationally upset that uh, he didn't have the <laughs> conundrums that I put myself through. So uh, Jason, welcome back to part two of your Bigfoot recap. Um, you feeling good? Any, any change in recovery? I'm still feeling really good, man. Thank you for having me again. And thank you all for tuning in a second time. I'm glad you didn't hate the first half. Uh, that's kind of yeah. cool. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm doing great, man. Um, and, oh, and, and apparently, uh, apparently Mowgli's joining us now too. There's now a dog on the podcast. <laughs> Just to see a door open in the background and nothing, there's no, no one there. Did it. Now she he is on the bed. Um, but yeah, I remember last time I talked to you in between these episodes, you said you were about to go run or thinking about running. Has that happened yet? I I didn't. I was still, you know, this last weekend I went and uh, worked one of the night races for Tejas Trails. Well, for a wild sense, but at one of the Tejas Trails night races, Captain Carl series, and kind of got my sleep thrown off a little. So. I've been trying to kind of get that squared away. Um, gone to the gym, rode the bike some. I uh, did knock it out and, and run quite yet. Just haven't gotten up that early because it's so hot. Um, but it should be there anytime now. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> by comparison, I was still bedridden eating kettle chips and chimichangas uh, after my 200. So you're doing great things. Um <laughs> We're going to pick up right where we left off. Uh, last time we ended around mile 108 um, at yep. Lewis River. Uh, once yep. again, nothing has been going wrong. Everything's been fantastic. Yep. You got your shoe wet, slipping off a log. That's Another about it. Yep. Like, that's just, uh, at this point, I've already cried a few times in my last 200. 
especially in front of your wife, Kathleen. Um, and that was at like mile 70. So um, anyway, so yeah, uh, you're leaving Lewis River. And for those of you unfamiliar, yeah. this is where, um, at least when you look at the elevation profile, things look like they start to get even more crazy. Um, the first long, real sustained, never ending climb. I remember when we were discussing this race, uh, going over it with you, uh, this was the one that easily like catches your attention because it just looks long and by, you know, in, in that same way, we think it's just like steep and, and such an incredible like 20 plus mile jaunt that you're about to get yourself into. So leaving Lewis River, how are you feeling and how is the trek to the next aid station, Quartz Ridge? I'm I'm feeling great. You know, I think the last thing I had told everybody uh, when we got down by Lewis River, it was just incredibly beautiful. And Javier had got to see his first like really real incredible waterfall, not some just little trickling thing. Um, so like he had been rewarded and, and really gotten to see something. And that was kind of to me. uh the reward of the good energy and everything that I was looking for by bringing him. Um, so everything had gone really, really well, uh, up to this point. And we roll into Lewis river aid station. Um, I think, I, yeah, it was, it was kind of in the morning. So we did kind of just a regular transition around just the normal things that I needed to do. I ate, um, took care of fluids and stuff, hydration. And this is where I picked up Ryan for the second time. Um, now there were two climbs basically that were kind of concerning that we had looked at. One of them was from Coldwater Lake on the way to Norway pass. Um, it was a little longer and steeper. And then this one, and then when we started looking at this one on paper, as Ryan was 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 reading it off, it really didn't sound that bad. Um, and the guy was just one heck of a mountain climber in the first place. So uh, when we got out in this section, we seemed to make pretty easy work out of it. Um, he was really good about just carrying on a conversation, and we made our way, you know, all the way up. And if for like kind of a large part of it, I would almost say like I had to go back and read some of the, the notes of it. It was somewhat <laughs> like, I don't really remember a ton of this because I don't remember a ton of it being super difficult. There were some logs to cross um, as much time as Ryan spent in the forest in the Northwest. Like he was really helpful and just getting through those really quickly and like the best route around them. Um, we did get back on, what I've now realized was the boundary trail. That's that motorcycle trail. So we did do some of that. Um, but I don't think it was like the worst part of it. It did make some of it steep, but probably the first half or so of the, the entire climb, it wasn't really bad. It didn't really feel like a climb. It was up some and then down a little and then up some and down a little. Um, so I would almost venture to say after it was done that I think, the climb after Coldwater Lake was a little bit more of a difficult climb than this one was, but it, it could just be that I was kind of distracted. Um, kudos to Ryan for that. Um, I mean, so 
Yeah, I mean, look, it's so easy, and we, we got to remind ourselves, especially when looking at elevation profiles, stuff that looks steep on a 200 mile, you got to realize that that's uh, over the course of 200 miles. It is uh, spread out, gradual. It doesn't, it, it's over the course of a long period of time. Now, this climb is long, technically. You're going up for a long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, just like uh, um, a lot of the, like the largest mountain in the galaxy, uh, it's, it's on Mars, but you'll never know that you're climbing it because it's so big and you'll, you'll just never know you're going up. So I aching it to something similar to that. So that's what I was curious about. But, uh, once again, a little irritated that you just breeze right through it, man. We're going to get some <laughs> bloodshed here in a second. Well, I am, you know, I, a couple things are happening here. One, um, when you and I had originally talked, Andrew, I had wanted to break down the the profile of each of these sections. And I really wanted to dig into each of these sections before I went to Washington and actually did this. That's usually one of the things I do is I try to break down each section into little bitty manageable pieces and kind of know how I'm going to attack them. And I didn't have the time to do that between things that were going on with our company WildSense, uh, regular things at home. And just, I was really kind of doing all the logistics myself for my crew because they hadn't done that like I had. So I didn't really get to spend the time looking over each individual section that I was doing. I did ask them to go back and to take a look at those and know them before they went out um, to just, Hey, review this before we go and have an idea of what's going on. That's going to be helpful to me. I'm going to have questions about it. Um, so that'll kind of come up as we move forward, but Ryan did a good job on that with this one. He had kind of gone through, Hey, this is how it looks on paper. He read it off to me, made me feel really comfortable with it. Um, and then we rolled through it and it went really well. Now, again, I am back on that motorcycle trail. So the, the way that thing is shaped like a ditch and going up and down, it's working on the top of my toes on those pinky toes of mine. Um, but then we make it to Quartz Ridge and like I was looking earlier and realized like that's an out and back to the aid station. And just to tell you how well that section went, I didn't particularly, uh, I didn't particularly remember going the out and back like we did, but it, it went rather well. I don't think there was a lot of crazy yellow. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess there was some elevation change coming through to the aid station and then back out. But all in all, it wasn't too bad. And then we rolled into that next section, which was, uh, that was from Quartz Ridge to Chain of Lakes. Now, one thing that happened somewhere in here, and I honestly, I don't remember whether it was Lewis River to Quartz Ridge or Quartz Ridge to Chain of Lakes, um, was that there were a couple of guys that had passed us and they're probably like 50 yards ahead. And then all of a sudden we hear them yell and take off and they're yelling and cussing. And it became pretty apparent to us real quickly that they had just gotten into some kind of ground hornet nest. Um, now, Andrew, I don't know. Do you remember the ground hornet situation from Mission Tejas? 
I was not there, but I was on social media living in the moment. <laughs> like I was living alive. Just yeah. for those unaware, there's a t- uh, race in Texas called Mission Tejas. And they had a giant hornet attack on all the runners. I think they had to end up rerouting some of the loops. People were posting mm-hmm. on social media during the race pictures and just like uh, women and children first. I don't know what that meant regarding a hornet situation, but I just kept seeing people post about women and children first. I don't know. But yeah, that was an infamous um, incident. And that was infamous not Texas ago. race incident. Yeah. But I got to see up close and firsthand and uh it was probably not my favorite thing to ever have happen in a race to get attacked by a bunch of ground hornets one time and here i am thinking shit there's hornets right here in front of me and i know we like have to go through them and ryan's even saying that like i'm asking him i'm like man can we just bushwhack around this can we like climb up this like the side of this mountain here and just go around them and he's like well what happens if we get up there and they're like in that area like what happens what happens then then we're just straight up stuck he's like right here we can run through it and he's dealt with this several times on other trips that he's guided and stuff so he was familiar with it he's like the the only thing or the best thing that we can do is just haul ass so I looked back and forth at him. I know a couple of times because I've been here and done this. It was a pretty good time for me last time. I really didn't want to do this again. And I'm just thinking, son of a bitch. And so after a minute of just sitting there and I don't even want to say, like I was kind of like halfway moping, like, man, really? <laughs> then I just took off. That's all you could do was just run like hell and ran through it and nothing like not a single thing uh we both we did it individually to make sure that like something didn't happen and one of us fall down and then the other one fall on the other we kind of spaced it out so i hauled butt through he came and followed uh neither one of us seemed to have gotten stung uh which was really good we we saw those guys at a creek a little bit later on they had both got stung like several times um, they were okay. Like no, you know, allergic reactions to anything. Um, so yeah, you thought you were getting your moment Andrew and I just took it away. So you're welcome. Yeah. I mean, you built it up, you brought a horrible incident in Texas history of, um, and then just led to you coming out scot-free. So, I mean, we'll see though, man, but that, that's what worries <laughs> me about Bigfoot. Um, I may just bring an FP pin for this race. Basically, my recent <laughs> history. So I've never been stung before, so I don't know how my body would react. Probably not well. So I, I mean, it doesn't wouldn't hurt, one one. wouldn't hurt to have one. Yeah, to have one. Shell out a shell out, shell out a grand for a pin <laughs> um, that I'll surely fall on top of and destroy before I even get to <laughs> stab yourself with it. With <laughs> yeah, the, like, wrong, the wrong time, situation. Um, like, oh, that that wasn't a spring energy gel um <laughs> so yeah well so nothing nothing's so, going wrong but now we're I, again i'm, I'm kind of leaning toward that might have been the lewis river to quartz ridge section because it seemed like it was a little more daytime quartz ridge to chain lake or uh chain of lakes the one thing that i remembered really that came up with that was 
that we got into that aid station in the evening. And I knew we were going to have to go pretty late into the night because you start trying to time that rest, right? Up to this point, I've been able to get in and like rest at like nine, 10 o'clock at night. So it wasn't real late. But now we're moving into what, like the third day. And, um, you know, your body is more tired than it has been. And the way this one kind of breaks down, it was still sunlight out. It wasn't really a good time to rest. I do kind of think maybe I laid down for like 45 minutes, hoping that would help just to get a little nap. And then I was going to get a good sleep at the, the next station. Um, but we went out and we were going to be out late into the night. And as that kind of came on, I did start to get pretty tired uh, in this section. And um, let's see. So we went out. I think we, uh, we climbed up to a spot where there was a really good view of like Mount Adams again. Um, and then we... I just remember during this some point in time, I think I took my first dirt nap. I believe I just laid down against a tree, closed my eyes for five minutes because I tried to run and it wasn't like a hallucination. I wouldn't call this a true hallucination, but I was, I was trying to run. I ran for a little bit and it's like when it's almost like the ground wasn't quite keeping up with where I was at. And I knew like, okay, you really are getting tired. I, I was trying to run to wake myself up and it just wasn't, really working. So sat down, took like a little five minute dirt nap, leaned up against a tree and that made a big difference. And we kind of trucked on for a while, um, from there. And, oh, and then I remember as we got out of the, the motorcycle trail, then we got to like a Jeep road that not a logging road, like a straight up Jeep road. You were, if you didn't have a true, really good four wheel drive. You weren't going to get down this thing. Um, so we ran down that for a couple miles and then we ran out to, there was, there was a like paved kind of gravel road, really good one. That was really wide, um, that we were on at this point, probably for like logging trucks and stuff. And we were headed over to chain of lakes aid station. And there was a like, big almost like parking area to the to the side of the road where people could pull off and park and there were other vehicles and stuff and we happened to notice one of the vans really looked like ours and about that time the light came on in it and there was kathleen um so <laughs> we we just trotted right on over to the window and kind of almost freaked her out a little bit because two runners are just running up with like headlights on right into the windshield and then she realized it was us and she was like, oh, crap, because they had just woken up and they were about to go to the aid station, but we were ahead of schedule. So that meant they had to kind of haul butt to get to the aid station before us because we still had to go around and get back on a trail and head over there. Um, but we did just see them in passing. And so she took off to get to the aid station and they were they were there in plenty of time. But it was kind of fun because it just shocked her. Um, and then, I mean, that was really all of the excitement all the way up to chain of lakes. Um, so now we're at chain of lakes aid station. I laid down here again. I want to say it was maybe for an hour and 15 or an hour and a half, um, before I just, before I was going to go back out to take on, uh, 
the next two sections, Chain of Lake to Clickitat. And then, well, yeah. Uh, so Clickitat has a reputation being a, a, a low point, some of the lowest points for many runners. Um, it does, and we're getting there. But right now yeah, we're still oh, we're yeah. at Chain of Lakes. So um, it it does. You don't have to get a. You don't have to get ahead of it, Andrew. It's 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 coming. Oh no! I was describing uh, the next uh, the putting a background on the next section from Chain of Lakes to Clickitat, like not the actual aid station Clickitat. Well, it's it's not so much Chain of Lakes to Clickitat. It's Clickitat to Twin Sisters. Oh, ooh. So, so Chain of Chain of Lakes. Ass. <laughs> so Chain of Lakes. Actually, from Chain of Lakes to Twin Sisters, I really thought, man, there's not going to be a ton of climbing. Um, these shouldn't be too terrible. Just with my, you know, like I said, I didn't really get to research each of the sections and everything. Just glancing at them on the chart. The thing I had heard for a lot of people was that Lewis River to Quartz Ridge was the crux for them. Um, but that was a lot of people that didn't finish the race in previous years. And I don't know what went on for them there. I think maybe they just they got worn out at that point. Um, but as I've learned more from people that did finish the, the real rough stuff was kind of coming ahead. Um, I didn't really know that at the time though, a chain of lakes to click attack was kind of a, it would be a cool section, maybe in a different race, uh, maybe in something that was shorter. When you're looking at chain of lakes to click attack, you've got 17.3 miles. You've got, almost identical ascent and descent right around 3,900 feet for both. Um, you start out and you descend just a little bit to get down to Adams river. There's like a log crossing across the river. Oh, and, and by the way, I'm back. This is Javier section again. So I've got Javier from chain of lakes to click attack and click attack the twin sisters. Um, because Kathleen was going to finish everything up at the end. And it also had to do with logistics for driving and things like that. So uh, we head down to Adams river. It's a log crossing bridge kind of thing. It's actually not too bad. It's more like a log bridge. It really wasn't bad at all. Um, it, again, it was kind of something neat for Javier to see. And then we get on a little bit from there. And this section is really just a bunch of water crossings. So it tells us, in the notes that it's three shin deep water crossings um, and an easy crossing on the Sispus. Uh, I'm probably saying that all wrong. It's, it's another river. Um, but it didn't really say that the easy crossing meant that you were going to be like, you know, getting in the water or anything. So we went into the first two crossings. They were shin deep. They were not bad at all. Water was nice and cold. Um, but your feet are soaking wet. They dry up. You get soaking wet again. They dry up again. And then we get to the third crossing that's supposed to be shin deep. And I'm, I'm kind of trying to teach Javier about these because he's never done anything like this before. And it's not my first rodeo. Um, so we get to the third one and I'm looking at the water with him to kind of show him like he's learning, like how to see where the shallow part is to know where to go. And I'm like, dude, if you look at that far side, that doesn't really look too shallow. Um, so 
I, I told him to stay back out of the way and, you know, make sure we each go one at a time each time. That way, if I go and I'm wrong about something, he can see it and he can learn to correct it and go somewhere that's better. Um, and we're using our trekking poles to make sure that we're trying to use three points of contact at all times. So we're not falling down in the river on slick rocks or just a, something that's bad to step on a bad rock, basically. Um, and by the time I get three quarters of the way through this third Creek, then you just step down and it's halfway up your thigh. So half my shorts are wet trying to just get across this one. Um, and I ease across there and then I realized that he's so anxious. He's jumped in and he's already right behind me, <laughs> but we came through it. Okay. Fortunately, I didn't have to take a step back or anything, but it got much deeper than it was, than it was led on to be. Fortunately, I had told him as well, make sure you put your phone up in something high and put it in a bag before we start crossing all these creeks, uh, just to be on the safe side in case you fall or anything like that. We didn't need to lose access to Gaia, uh, or, just our phone in general, right? Like nobody wants to, nobody wants to have that happen. Do they, Andrew? Um, <laughs> no, I wouldn't know anything about that. <laughs> uh, so then we made it through the third one and I was thinking like, man, that wasn't what we expected. Um, and then we head on to the, that river that was next. Um, and it seems like this broke up that section and it went pretty smoothly and pretty quickly. It seemed like it was, I was thinking it was more like 11 miles or something, but saying it was 16 miles. Um, so no, I guess it was probably around maybe around 11 or 12 before we got done with all the river stuff. And anyway, we get to this river and we decided, okay, this is where we need to refill all of our water uh, one more time. We had used a fair bit of it. Um, so we stopped for a minute there. We used the filter and filled everything up. Um, a lot of other runners were coming through, and some of them uh, were going to one side and fill in. There were a lot of people around there for a minute, so we kind of chatted while we were filling everything up. Um, and then we headed to cross the river, and it was kind of the same same situation here. Once you got further across, it was, it was a little deeper than expected. Um, and we did not even expect that fourth water crossing, but there was no, like you were going through the water. That's the only way you were getting there. Um, it was kind of cool at the same time, you know, it's getting those feet wet. It's getting that tape wet. It's getting the socks wet. And I'm already dealing with these toes that are starting to give me some trouble and just get a little worse and worse as time goes on. Um, from there, the toes weren't feeling real great after all that. Um, but the last part of this section it, now, Oh, the others, this was the other side of that. This has gotten into, we're probably at noon by the point of time we cross all these rivers and creeks. So it was really nice having the cold water. I was able to like scoop up water in my hat and put it on my head to like cool the body down and bring the body temp down. Um, but then we were, when we left out of there, we were going to climb, uh, was it elk, elk mountain? Um, what did they call it? I had it down here somewhere. Um, elk peak. And that, that was the next little piece that we had. It was kind of the last piece to click a tat. And it was probably a little under uh, probably 1700 feet of climbing. Um, it was kind of a straight climb. You kind of went, you started on the end of the mountain and kind of went all the way up a ridge. It wasn't really, it, it wasn't like a sharp ridge or anything, but you just went up the ridge of it to the peak. 
um, all the way on the other end. And then you kind of came down the side of the, I would say the side of the mountain. Does a mountain have a side? You came down and it wasn't really that steep going into the aid station. You were able to run down from there. But this is the second peak that Javier's ever gone up to. <laughs> and this one was really rocky with some, uh, like some loose rock. I don't want to, I'm trying to think of how you would word it. I, I don't want to say it had a lot of the sand um, and the loose rocks that it had were kind of those, like it wasn't really rounded rocks. It was kind of like the large slate pieces. Does that make sense, Andrew? Yeah. Like I the know little what you mean. Um, bigger. Yeah. And the way they were loose with that sand and stuff, someone that's climbed a lot of stuff kind of knows how to navigate it and where to step and what to step on and what not to. So I was a little concerned with that and it was quite a good ways up pretty steep. Um, and it was, the nice thing was you kind of got to pick where you went. You could have taken about six different lines up, uh, all the rock to get there. So there were people coming down, people going up at the same time and it wasn't really a problem. My only concern was making sure he found the right footing, but, I got him to stick to the rule, you know, make sure your trekking poles are down when you're moving, like try to be real conscious about how you're stepping and everything. And he did really well. He slipped one time. Everybody does, but he, you know, he didn't fall down or anything like that. And when we got to the top, there was a really good view. You could see uh, Mount Rainier, Mount St. Helens, Mount Adams, and I think even maybe Mount Baker um, all from the top of it. So you really got to take in this full view up there. It was really pretty, but at this point in time, it's two o'clock in the afternoon. It's supposed to be a hundred degrees that day. I can't say that's what the temperature was. Um, but I know dang good and well, it was Texas kind of hot and they had already had a pacer that had to stop and was like in the trees laying down somewhere that people were helping when we came up on our, our way up. Uh, they were sending medical to go help him and it, it was, it was really hot at that point, but you know, we're two Texas guys that have been training in the heat. So we did really well. We made it up there. We started working our way down and I started running some and Javier was doing just fine. Keeping up with me on the way down. Uh, I got steep in a few places. We slowed down, but all in all, we made it down pretty quickly. And now we're into, uh, the aid station. We're into Clickatat aid station. Uh, and let's see. So, or I'm sorry, we're in a chain of lakes aid station, right? No, no, that's Clickitat. It's a Clickitat aid station. From Lewis River, Quartz Ridge. Oh, chain of lakes. Yeah. And Clickitat. Yeah. 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 Sorry. Yeah. Because the um, section after this is the bad one, which now I'm looking yeah. at some info about it and. It's also the longest section coming up. So it is, it is. And it doesn't from the ascent and descent, it's pretty balanced out. So it doesn't sound bad. Um, but that's rather deceiving. So it's also the middle of the afternoon when we head out into this section. Um, I don't think I got any rest there that I recall. Um, and we're due to be in sometime at like at a decent hour into twin sisters at this point we are behind schedule for getting into uh when i when i had wanted to get into the click aid station so it's now 
I remember it being around two o'clock when we summited. I'm going to guess it's around three and that's behind schedule. I should have been leaving out at like 1230. So initially I would have been getting into twin sisters around nine o'clock. This is going to put me several hours behind that when it comes to rest. Um, but I don't think it's even clicked to me, no pun intended, that I'm also going to be behind on rest. So we roll out into this aid station in the middle of the afternoon. Um, and I am trying to remember, I'm trying to rely on the pacers to kind of know the ins and outs of what information we have on it. Um, and I think that got a little deceiving here. I think it didn't look like a lot on paper to Javier. I didn't personally read it and I'm not, not blaming anything on him whatsoever. He did an amazing job. His first time out ever pacing. He did really, really great. Um, but I, I think just some of the, the things that they had down might've maybe caught my eye a little more. <laughs> um, but we get out into this section and it is not quite what I expected. I knew that there was a section that was known for all the down trees. It turns out it was this one. I thought this is going to suck, but as it would turn out, they had actually gone out there and cut a lot of those logs out because it was really reducing like traffic in that area in the first place. Um, at least I think that's why they cut them out or maybe because of the race itself. Um, I know some people had talked about trying to go out there, but this section was way overgrown. Like, it didn't take us very long to get into this for it to just be like bushwhacking, like all of it. Um, and the other thing, when you look at the elevation chart, it doesn't look really bad. But when you look at the actual, like the actual topo map of it, you start to realize there is a lot, a lot, a lot of ridge line in this section. So, um, it, it starts out and you kind of move up to Mount mission and that's, it's a good climb, but it's not really too bad to get to there. Um, and then sometime after that, the trail just pretty much disappears and it's like game trail at best. Um, and you're just kind of bushwhacking your way on through it. Um, so then as we're moving through this, it's getting, it's getting darker. We've been kind of on the ridges and stuff a little bit. So it hasn't been too bad as there's light, but the further in you get, the rougher the ridges get, uh, the rougher the trail itself gets. Um, we come up around, I remember going past, uh, we kind of go past this corner of, I think it's one of the, the peaks basically, and it gets real rocky and you got to be real care careful as you go around it, but it feels like a real summit, but it's dark and you can't really see anything. Um, but I just remember being careful kind of going around there and how rocky it was. And then we go on a little further and it's just getting deeper into the bushwhacking and everything. And I'm starting to get really tired and that's concerning me because I'm thinking like, man, we got a lot further to go. And I know being a 20 mile section that we needed to, there was supposed to be a lake about halfway in about 10 miles in that we wanted to get water at as well. Um, well, I'm thinking we're probably like 
eight miles in and a woman comes up behind us and catches up to us pretty quickly. And she's really frazzled. Um, I start talking to her and, or she starts talking to us and she says, she's just seen a mountain lion. So my first thinking is like, Oh, okay, well let's, let's check a couple things out. Like, is she tired? Is she hallucinating? Um, did she think she saw a mountain lion and she really saw a deer? Like what's going on? So I start asking questions and I realize she's wide awake. There's, she's not hallucinating at all. Um, and when I asked her like, well, did you see it in the distance or what? She came around that same little peak that I was just talking about and saw a mountain lion sitting on the rock, like, which I, I can see just how this is. It would be off to the right hand side. There's just big rocks right there. She saw the mountain lion and it roared at her and she was very sure that it just the lion, the mountain lion roared at her, like basically yelled at her. She picked up her trekking poles and tried to make herself real big and make noise. And then she realized, Hey, I'm basically on the side of a cliff. I should probably get out of here because I can't do anything but fall off the cliff. So she did. And then she caught up to us and you know, the mountain lion left her alone. I'm, I'm guessing she just surprised it somehow. Uh, it didn't hear her. And yeah, so that kind of put us on edge. Um, it, I felt very, very confident that she really did see one and we're thinking like, okay, well, here we are. We can't move very fast. And <laughs> someone just seen a mountain lion. But the truth that I know is like, okay, well, if it didn't do anything, then it's not going to do anything. It's not like tracking us all down to come after us here. Um, so we're moving forward, but you know, she's on edge. I, I think Javier's a little on edge and I just am because everybody around me is, and I want to make sure that everybody's okay and nothing bad happens. And we keep moving forward. And after a little while, I realized that we're about to pass one of the lakes. And I stopped and I said something like, hey, I think this is where we need to get water. We should probably do that now. And for some reason, Javier had been convinced, apparently by somebody at an aid station, that they needed to go to Jackpot Lake, not this other lake. Was uh, What was this one? Um, St. John, not St. John, but jackpot. Well, in hindsight, that was backwards and do Having done as many of these as I have, I say, I haven't done a bunch of two hundreds, but as much stuff as I have out here, I should have known to say, no guys, this is on the map as a place we can get water. This is where we need to get water to be safe and not end up way behind on anything. I mean, we had water at that point. Um, but you're going through a long, slow section. It's really hot in the middle of the night anyway, like we needed to fill up. But the woman that was with us was thinking we needed to push on. That wasn't good water. Javier, for some reason, was convinced it wasn't. So I went with what the others were thinking. In hindsight, I should have said, nope, we need to get water here and now. Um, but we kept moving on. Um, as I was, and then from there, trying to figure out our distance to the next water state to, to the next lake um, and things like that. Uh, we were getting a little off in distance. So Javier had learned how to use Gaia. He wasn't an expert at it by this point and he's getting really tired. It's the middle of the night. Uh, the dude's been really amped up. You know, he, he's, he's excited. He's been having fun. 
Uh, but he's also drank all of his water and he's down to his electrolytes and he didn't particularly like the electrolytes he had. Um, he was using liquid IV and which I had at one point in time. And I, I felt like Andrew, I know you like this stuff, uh, out there, but I can only do so much of it as sweet as it seems to be, uh, at one point in time. And he had too much of it on him and he didn't want to drink it anymore. Uh, so that was kind of playing a bit of a crux for him. And I could tell it was getting him into like a, a negative spot. He thought he really needed water and he couldn't drink his electrolytes, which at the same time is kind of funny because we both know like, dude, just drink it. Like you may not like it, but it's going to be fine. Um, so he was convinced he was out of water. <laughs> like he's telling people I'm out of water. And I'm like, you're not out of water. You have electrolytes. You're okay. You're, you're going to be fine. Um, I, on the other hand, knew I was trying to ration my stuff out so that we could get to this next step, the, the next station or the next, uh, lake rather. And we kept trudging along and the ridge lines kind of got worse. Um, the the woman that we were with had actually gotten with her. She had a pacer that got there and she went on her kind of her way, which was, I don't know, it was kind of like a relief that I felt like I was trying to look out for multiple people. Um, I always do that and I didn't have to be as concerned. Now I could just be concerned with my race. Um, and anyway, I... Like as we went on a little bit, I had to take another dirt nap. I was getting really tired. Uh, so I took another dirt nap. Um, we moved on for a while more and the ridge lines just kept getting kind of rougher and rougher. And and what's happening here is it's the middle of the night. Um, they're overgrown and there's nice soft dirt everywhere up here. But every once in a while, well, one, you were having a time putting your trekking poles down but you know, you're on a ridge, but there's a lot of brush and stuff. And, and I mean, that's kind of okay, but like sometimes where your foot would go on the edge of it, where there was supposed to be a plant, there was also no dirt. Like the dirt had just seemed to have kind of fallen out a little bit. So you had to be really careful with your footing, but you couldn't necessarily see it through the plants. So it really made for slow moving just to make sure that every, that you were on solid ground, that you were moving the right way. And you're also like, on one side of the ridge, on the high side, it's like stuff's just pushing you. So you're trying to make sure you don't get pushed off by some branches and still using your other trekking pole to get solid ground and keep your footing. And this started going on for miles. Like if you actually really look at the topo maps, um, you realize that went on for quite a way. And as it went on further and further, it got a little rougher and rougher. Um, it kind of started to seem like forever. I think I may have taken another dirt nap. Um, and Oh no, at one point here, I made Javier take a dirt nap. Actually, that was around the next supposed lake. So the next lake was jackpot Lake. I've heard a few people talk about it since where, you know, the, the joke was there was no jackpot. Um, <laughs> when you got there, everything's on the map. But in the middle of the night, you can't see the lake and you, you're trying to find if you looked at it on a map, there's even like a little side cut through trail, which I had figured out was going to be that's when we knew we were there and we could start trying to find the lake, uh, assuming that you could either see it or if or that there was a little cut through trail to the lake and there was nothing. 
like other people were there trying to find it. We had no luck trying to find the lake to get any more water. So now what we thought was going to turn into like, okay, well, we'll have water around mile 15 ish has turned into, we can't find the lake. We just see like trees and brush and things going downhill. We don't even know if it's going to like may, looking at the topo map, it could have been dang near a hundred feet um, before we could get to it. It may have only been 15 or 20, but just looking at the topo map with the extra loop there, it was a little confusing. Um, so we decided we were going to have to just keep moving forward. So we started moving on. Uh, Javier Aaron and I stopped and we took a nap. I got him to take a nap because he needed one. Um, and then he seemed to feel a little bit better. Um, and I knew we just had to keep, keep on moving from there. Um, so we got up, we got back to it. We got into a pretty nice section for a little bit. And then we had the out and back to the twin sisters aid station, which I now had, I just seen the notes on it. He should have been able to see there. It said 2.7 miles, uh, on is the length of the out and back to get to the aid station. So we still had almost three miles just on the out and back and that out and back got some really good, uh, ridge line and for probably two miles of it. So here we are back on the ridge again, um, trying to make our way there. Uh, I want to say it was down to the, it was, we were on our way down to that aid station. Um, but it was kind of a footing thing. It wasn't just on a ridge. Now it's on a ridge and down that made it even a little more challenging. Um, and at, at this point, like I'm just worn, I'm so tired. I'm trying to fall asleep, standing up. I'm trying to make sure I'm taking care of him. Right. Um, he seems to be behind on nutrition. One of the things early on in the section was Javier wasn't really talking in this one. And I, I kept asking him like, dude, are you okay? Uh, it took a little while to, I mean, I realized he seemed to be worn out. He he did a really good job of just being like, no, man, I'm good. And he powered through it really well. I'm very impressed with everything that he did, um, especially his first time out. He got about 50 miles doing all this stuff. Uh, it was so between the two days. So it was a lot of time on feet PRs, a lot of distance PRs in, in different ways, a whole lot of first experiences. That dude did an amazing job and I'm super proud of him and, you know, would love to do this stuff with him again. Um, but he was getting his butt kicked, which I kind of knew he would. And right. Like that you want him to, right. That's, that was what I wanted to see happen. I did not really know the extent of how difficult this section was going to come out to be. And it really took everything out of me by the end of this one. Um, it, it really did. Uh, at one point in time, I walked right past what I'm certain is a bear's den because I don't know what animal that size would dig a hole that big with fresh dirt out of it. <laughs> and so all of this, uh, this was the, this was the section, Andrew, that when I got home, I would have dreams about and did not really want to be in. So. I'm happy for you. It's good. <laughs> I'm, I, something needs to stick with you and haunt you for a little bit at least. Well, and then when we got to Twin Sisters Aid Station, so now we've got it done. And I'm back, and Kathleen's there, and Ryan's there. They're right there when we walk up, and I'm thinking like, yes, okay, time to get some good rest. And I realized they have a backpack. I'm like, wait a second. Why do you all have that? Well. 
nowhere on anything does it tell anyone that they have to hike in almost a mile to the aid station. And this was the part that, that you would appreciate because I'm immediately like the, what you had to do. What, where's the van? Where's the van? (laughs) And they're like, no, 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 it's okay. Like we've got everything you need here. And I'm like, I need to rest. I need freaking sleep. And they're like, well, there's sleep stations. And I just immediately, I'm like, F the sleep stage. I don't know. I will. Where's the van? Well, you're going to lose time if you go to the van. I'm like, I don't give a shit. And I kind of lost it. I was kind of thinking like, I remember, uh, Cocodona, the part where you came in and you just chunked your poles. (laughs) I, I pretty much, I pretty much did that. I like smashed my poles against each other. Like, or like I walked away from everyone trying to just chill out and start walking down the road with my headlamp off and just beat the crap out of my poles together. I was not having it. And I was, I'd even told him, I'm like, there's a freaking mountain lion. Someone saw out there. And this section was bullshit. (laughs) And I just, I just had my moment. I wouldn't say it was like the worst thing in the world. Uh, I think it was, uh, let's see what, distance are we at i i would say it was something you should probably do at around mile once what 178 yeah i think that was pretty fair so i had my little hissy fit and i just marched my butt onto the van i wasn't even like i checked into the aid station let them know i'm gonna go to the van and rest and uh walked it down so we got a couple extra miles out of that one um wow I was That's, just, I feel you though. I did not want to sleep at sleep stations. Uh, after Moab was a disaster regarding that at Cocodona, I did not want to yeah. do that. So. Well, and they even, they told us like the sleep station was full and I'd have to wait. And they, they basically had people timed and I think I would have had to have waited like 20 minutes or something. And then I was going to get, maybe get a limited amount of time anyway. I was like, no, I'm just going to go to the, I can, at this point I can keep moving. I was like, it's a road. I'll take it. I will walk a road. That's cool. I don't, that's fine. As long as it's not a ridge with like brush hanging off of it. I'm cool. So, so yeah. So we, uh, hiked down to the van. They said I was losing a little time there. I just didn't really care. And honestly, I was good enough on time. I was a little behind where we had wanted to be. I'd moved over to the, to the B, um, like to the B pace but that was okay. I mean, I'm still several hours ahead of cutoff and everything, and I'm doing this to get it done, not trying to set any land speed records. Um, so we went down there. I rested for, I think I only got like an hour and 15 because I was trying to get back to it. And in hindsight, I should have just slept a little bit longer um, because I was still really tired when I went out and had to take like naps again and stuff um, in that next section. So I think a little bit more sleep would have probably done me some good. Uh, but I was trying to keep in front of that. I didn't want to get too far behind that, that B schedule. Um, but the good news is that I'm already to twin sisters at this point. So now, you know, I, now Kathleen's about to jump back in and I've got the last two sections if you look at the elevation chart, it tells you pretty true. Like it's almost literally all downhill from here. There's basically one, maybe 500 foot climb and that's it. And then you're pretty much working your way down. 
So, uh, you feeling pretty good about this? Like knowing at least like mentally, it always reinvigorates me knowing that, Oh, it's mainly downhill from here. Like at the end of my last two hundreds, it, it was except for one thing was that I had this, this out and back that I had to go back out on that click attack section at 2.7 miles. I didn't really know the distance. I just knew it felt like a long way. I knew where it turned off. So that was kind of helpful. Um, but I knew I had to go back through that section and I was a little short on rest. So we went back on that one and I was a little stressed out about that. Um, but we got through it and pretty much by the time we got through that section, I had to take a nap again. Um, so that just told me I should have got a little more rest, but if anything like, Hey, Oh, you should have got one more hour of rest in this whole thing. That's, that's really not doing too bad. Um, only one hissy fit thrown so far. And then we get, uh, well, then we get past that and we start down the next section and guess what? We get on another ridge line, which I'm just fed up with this at this point, but it wasn't too bad. We went down that for a little bit. And now the sun's starting to come up. Uh, we're easing away from that ridge. And it's been kind of overgrown, but we're about to go up on an, a, what they call it, a mandatory out and back to Pompeii Peak. Um, and this was really just like, this, this was an important part of the race to me. So we went and we had to go summit Pompeii Peak, which I thought the name was kind of cool, you know, with the volcano and all. Um, we went up there and there was a photographer there. And one thing I'll say about the photographers uh, that are in this race is they don't just take good photos, but they know how to kind of grab you by the heartstrings every once in a while and just like emotionally get you. And so she showed us, she's like, Hey, so if you look over here, like you'll see, you'll see Mount Rainier. And then if you look back over here, way over there, you'll see, uh, you'll see Mount St. Helens. I think, I think we saw Mount Rainier. Yeah. Cause it seems so close. And, but she pointed to Mount St. Helens. She's like, that's where you started. And it just, it punched me right in the chest because it was so far away and so, so tiny. And it really, at that point, I just realized like, wow, like the, the, the magnitude of what I had done and I knew that that wasn't even a straight line. Like I had kind of zigzagged my way there and just the enormity of it was a lot um, and kind of really hit me straight on. And uh, then somebody else that was there, there was a woman that was there as well and a few other people. And she, uh, we were kind of all just taking a second at the peak to kind of just enjoy it and, and take a break, drink some water before we headed on. And she said, so what color buckle are, are you getting? Like to everybody, she wanted to know what color buckle they were getting and said hers and everything. And, you know, I kind of thought about all the, the gray dust that I'd seen along the way. I thought I would end up with like a brown or a green. And it kind of hit me like, no, I'm going to get one that reminds me of this, this gray sand everywhere. Um, and I'd taken in just the distance and then I knew it was time, like, okay, it's time to, time to get this done. 
and got up from there and started working our way down. It was getting up there was fairly single track. So it was kind of like you were letting people come up and then we all kind of made our way back down. Um, we all ended up spreading out and getting into our own paces pretty quickly. But at that point I knew like, okay, that was it. That was the last like real summit of it. And it's just time to get this done. Um, so it was time to start trying to put in some work. And so we did, except <laughs> you just ended up back in like overgrown trail. And now it's like overgrown, like tree stuff. It's not even just like the short brush at this point. Um, so we come down from there. It, it wasn't really, it wasn't too bad from there. There weren't like ridge lines and stuff that I really recall. Uh, we just get into this forest and made our way down for a little way. And then it was like your, your trail kind of bushwhacking turned into, this is not a trail. Where in the hell are we going? And then we popped out on what was once a road, but not a road anymore. And if you looked at the map, you can actually see it's some road number. But dude, it's like literally like grass has grown across it. You can feel it under your feet. Like it's a road, but it's like a road in The Walking Dead or something. Like it has not been a road in like 10 years or 20 years or something. Um, there are down trees and like trees growing up out of it, but it's obviously a road. You can just look at it and tell like this is a two lane road that vehicles could go both ways down. And that's what we're on to the next aid station. So you would start to realize that this road was getting like, I guess, continuously washed out. And they just finally said to heck with it. Like, we're not going to try to maintain this. This just, we're not supposed to put a road here. It was not the, the forest does not want their, doesn't want to have one here. Um, it was really neat and weird at the same time. Uh, but it did make us realize after a little bit, we're trying to knock these miles down and they are going so freaking slow uh, at this point. You know, I'm doing like a 30 minute mile and I'm, that's just what I'm able to do. And it's even driving me crazy. And finally, I'm like to heck with it and started trying to run because for a long time I couldn't run because the trails like you couldn't see them. You were just going to bust your tail like if you tried to run. But at this point, I could run. so. I started trying to get into a rhythm of running. Um, Kathleen was trying to stay ahead. So if we got into like crappy sections, she could just tell me to slow down. Uh, there were trees to cross here, but they weren't like giant redwoods. They would be like a tree that was like 10 inches around <laughs> that was down, but the way it fell, it's still off the ground. So in some, it was just a pain in the butt. Like it wasn't low enough to just hop over and it wasn't high enough to like, just go under. Um, so that was kind of annoying, but at the same time, it was like, you would run, you'd get to one of those, you'd breathe for a second, get over it and you could run again. And that went on for, I don't know how many miles, probably, probably eight miles. Just guessing. I mean, that's a super big guess. Uh, and we did that all the way to the next aid station. I would say if someone were trying to find water here, um, you probably don't need to get any more water until you get down around that road. And if you wanted more water, look to do it early than further in the further in you got, 
there was kind of a cliff to one side and there were like little waterfalls and places I wouldn't have a problem filtering water. Uh, but they were like off the road in a way where it was going to be really difficult to like get off of that and get over to them. Um, but earlier on, I feel like there were a couple of creeks right there next to it that would have been easier to access. Matter of fact, I think I saw someone access one. So if you're thinking about that and you're, if you're running this race, you get on that road and you think you might want to refill water, do it early. Um, but we made it through, I was running pretty low by the time we got there, but I made it through fine. Uh, we ran a large portion of that. So that really brought our time back into line to where we fought, where we needed it. And when I got into the aid station, um, we were fairly well on point to be close to the B pace that we wanted to be at, which was 103 hours. Um, and so now we've made it to Owens Creek aid station. And, uh, the neat little thing about that is that's where the road, that same road we had just been on was Owens Creek aid station. Like that was the same road. Uh, it was just washed out after that and they kind of discontinued the route, the, the use of it. So, um, rolled into the aid station, kind of went through the normal thing, ran to the van, got everything in order. And I ate really well. Um, I needed some good food. Um, I, I remember I, ate, I definitely had a cheeseburger there. Um, got everything in order kind of as efficiently as we could. Uh, my um, spot tracker, the, we had gotten a message that the battery was low on it. So I had to go back and get that uh, changed out and fixed. Some people were concerned with that. There were friends that were like watching and tracking and stuff. Uh, but we didn't want the tracker to stop working. So we went and got that fixed. And I went, you know, and I talked to uh, Ryan and Javier and they're like, great news, dude. Like the bad news is you're going to be next to cars for a while. The good news is you're taking this road all the way down to the main road to go to the high school, which is where it finishes right there at, uh, at White Pass High School on the track. And yeah, so all of a sudden we realized like, oh, wow, like that was really all the trail. Like from here, it's literally road. So we now have 13 miles of road. But what's different about this, I know, Andrew, you're probably thinking like, that sounds awful. You've got a half marathon of road, right? Yeah, no, it's, it's especially at this point in the race, my shins would just implode upon themselves. So I don't know how you did it. Well, so the interesting thing with this for all the, the bushwhacking stuff is like, in Washington, and I think I said this before, like it, the way ever, the way everything is there, like a tree falls down and dies, but meanwhile, other things are growing out of it. And like, as everything decomposes into the dirt, it's just so soft. So aside from like that first day in the blast zone, this place is just flat out soft. I'm, my feet don't feel like they've been beat up like they were at Moab or in, you know, some dry, hard desert. Um, I haven't had that as an issue at all. Like my, my, yeah, my feet are tired and beat up, but they feel a little more raw than they feel like bruised, so to say. Um, so that was okay. And after all the, the places that I couldn't really manage to do some good running, like now I'm going downhill on a road. And it did not bother me at all. 
like I put my trekking poles away. It was, I had this moment where like in my mind, you could, you could have heard the not kind of like the Rocky theme song or whatever start playing. And I'm like, yeah, we're going to run down this road right after I got out of the van. I fold up my trekking poles, realizing I'm not going to need them, tuck them back into my quiver. And I start to run. I'm like, yeah. And then about 20 feet into it, I go, Oh crap. I just ate a whole cheeseburger. This is not going to work right now. (laughs) And it was kind of like the Rocky song turned into a scene from national lampoons. And I just stopped running for a little bit because my, I needed to digest that hamburger. So slow down, <laughs> let my food get down a little bit and kind of tried that again. And I realized, yeah, my food was, I was going to need to digest my food for a minute, but I could run a little, take a walk break, run a little, take a walk break and did that pretty much all the way down. Um, kind of the longer I went, the more I could run. Um, Kathleen was, was great at keeping me going. Uh, she was really good at she's done this stuff with me before like this, where she knew, you know, one of us was really tired, but we were just going to keep plugging away. And she was really encouraging for that real positive. Um, so we ran down the hill, uh, got to the very, I say down the hill. If you actually look at the aid station, we ran down from about 2,800 feet down to almost sea level, um, over the course of like five miles and then when we got down to the main highway you run in for probably eight miles of just highway um that part kind of sucked but there really was almost no traffic on the the first road you were on which was really really long um so that that went well that wasn't a problem we just watched for curves and tried to be smart around it they had a water only like aid station out there and it was getting hot we're back in the heat of the day at this point So we had drank enough that we actually, I mean, even though this was a 13 mile section, about halfway through, we refilled everything, um, got a little bit of ice, put a little bit of ice in my hat, ran on from there just to keep the body cool for a bit. Uh, And it started getting emotional. You know, this had been something that I had been working on essentially since I left my old job and started Wild Sense. And there was a lot of emotion to the fact that, you know, starting a new business, like I had no idea if it was going to succeed. Um, I'm working really hard to do all these things, but I really like, you don't know what the, it's kind of like training for a race, right? Like you're doing all these things, but you don't really know what the result's going to be yet. So there were a lot of times throughout training and throughout this where throughout the company that I was just wondering, like, is any of this going to come together? Am I going to finish this race? Am I going to be successful with the company? Is it, is it going to work? Is it going to take off? Uh, What's this going to look like? And that's like how my entire last year had been up to this moment where I'm on this highway running in to finish Bigfoot 200 that I've just poured everything into for so freaking long. Um, and I got really emotional about it. Um, if you actually get to see my, my finishers picture, like <laughs> you can tell, like it hit me really, really hard. And, uh, yeah, so we ran down the main highway and then we had to turn on this other highway that was a little busier, but it was much shorter. And then we were on to the high school, 
there were a few people going in ahead of us that I saw. And at a certain point it was, you know, you were close and you kind of thought you could almost catch up to them, but I really wanted to respect that. Like this is their finish. They've been at this together. Um, let's give them their time and their, and their space. I don't think I would have passed them. I think if anything, I would have just been kind of right there on them, but I wanted to let them enjoy all that. Um, so we took our time in the last little bit. And then before we got to the high school, uh, John Park was there. I think you've, uh, you may have met him. I'm not sure. Um, just really, he's, he's been at some of these other races and he's just a great positive guy out there that wants to be friends with everyone that's there. He is, he's just really nice, really cool dude. And he was there for my first finish. He, he had stuck around or come back over knowing I was going to be finishing. And, uh, he took a little snippet of a video or pictures or something. And he was cheering us on from the side of the road as we turned into the high school and we ran it in the whole way. I swung back through the water sprinkler a second time just for fun and finished it up. And I couldn't have been more proud of myself and more happier with the way everything came out. And I can really say like, it was a perfect race. Like, yeah, there was one or two rough spots, but that's what makes it. If you don't have that at all, like if you don't have things that are difficult to get through, then something's wrong in and of itself. And I had obstacles that I had to get through and work around, but the experience that I've had in years past of, of racing and of doing these big events and, and doing them with other people and crewing and, and everything really came together and kind of solidified that I did it well. And I could not be more proud of, of any race that I've done in the past. This, this one really came out just right for me. Yeah. It's like, it's kind of hard to respond when you just finished, finish your race. It sounds like, um, you went in with some emotions. I'm always at least a little confused when I'm finishing, especially a long race. <laughs> um, it usually doesn't hit me until maybe I'm in the bathtub recovering, passing out repeatedly. And I'm just like, whoa, it usually, it usually takes me a while to process, uh, this something of that magnitude. Uh, I remember watching your finisher video and you looked pretty with it. And I'm just like, damn dude. Like, and not once did we get updates where it was just like, Oh, you know, he's struggling with this. He's struggling with that. No, it's just, it's just like, and then the lack of those updates along with your finisher video, I'm just like, this guy just like nonchalantly finished Bigfoot 200. <laughs> um, other than maybe the click attack, uh, click a tantrum, we'll call it. Click a tantrum. Um, <laughs> I like it. I like, like it. <laughs> like it, it. You had a great first 200 experience, one of the hardest 200 milers around. Yeah. And now it seems like we're in a boom of 200 milers that are coming in the future. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like I just got a message from Trevor Metting saying that uh, Run Bum's trying to do one too on the Appalachian Trail. So like, it's insane. Uh. Um, let's, uh, this, this shit's not cheap, <laughs> but, um, well, if there's some competition, man, you know, maybe, uh, yeah. maybe competition's good for the, the, uh, the pricing. Who knows? Probably yeah, not. Probably not at all. It. 
<laughs> bring it down. We're all going to eat bean roll-ups at this rate. Um, so yeah, that along with your recovery going pretty well. Um, like how were the first few days after the race emotionally? Um, emotionally, I think they were, I think they were good. I was really, you know, I centered the race going into it on gratitude for having the opportunity to do it. And for just the gratitude of where I'm at in life, even, you know, I'm starting a company that, like I said, I didn't know really, you know, how all this was going to turn out with the company and everything. So like the last year has been rough in a lot of, in a lot of ways, but really rewarding in a lot of ways. I'm not, you know, working in the corporate world, so to say. Uh, so that's great. But at the same time, it's not easy starting a business. Um, and it, so like those two kind of, I guess, parallel and a lot, um, but recovery was, was going fine. Like, um, I can't say anything was, uh, emotionally rough or anything like that. I was kind of on top of the world. Um, we even went the next day down to, uh, Pike's market. Um, well, we had a chance just to go down there and eat and stuff. Uh, since we had Javier with us one more day, we were like, this is a cool place he should experience. So we hopped on a train and took it over there. My feet were beat. Um, those toes were, that was really the rough part. And that probably slowed me down some. Um, maybe that's part of the reason I was in such a good place because I couldn't move fast enough for a lot of it to be miserable. But I don't think so. I think I just stayed my pace and stayed my course. Um, but the, the next few days were okay. Um, got back and got to resting pretty well. Um, I, I do think I may have gotten some, like my magnesium level off for a couple different reasons and gotten that straightened out. Uh, once we kind of realized what it was, uh, but other I mean, but that seems like reasonable. That's something that can happen that I've learned. I just hadn't really experienced it firsthand. And I think for anybody doing something big like this, it would be easy to say that something could be like out of sync in your body afterwards. Uh, and you just need to be attentive of it and paying attention to hydrating and getting in the right vitamins and minerals and stuff like that, you know, after, after a race to keep yourself balanced. I mean, I think I lost like 13 pounds, which I didn't think I even had to lose. Um, uh, yeah. Well, once again, yeah. And I know we celebrated a bit over the past week. Congratulations on your race. You had an amazing crew. You and Kathleen have done wonderful things together. Um, so can't wait to see what you guys have in the future. Um, which from the way things are lining up looks like uh this won't be the only one that you do which is great uh we'll see but but uh usually some people are one and done hopefully that's not the case um a lot of big ones coming out we got a lot more exploring to do um and yeah as we alluded to earlier you started this uh journey uh to this race and during this race while also trying to launch uh, your business wild sense goods. Yes. Um, wild sense goods launched, um, a little earlier this year. Um, 
I've tried some of your products. Uh, this first bath bomb I ever had. Um, and once again, like I alluded to the last episode, the bug spray, the no mosquito, um, yeah. has gone with me everywhere. Um, not recommended for anaphylactic shock. <laughs> um, yeah, they saved us on that one. Very well, very well. Um, Good job. So, yeah, let's quickly talk about Wild Sense before we end this. Wild Sense goods. Uh, what made you want to start something with this, like this? And, um, yeah, let's let's hear the origins really fast, if you don't mind. Yeah, so it kind of came to my attention a long time ago. It, it's been on my mind that as runners, we have brands that we go to for, like, clothes, for shoes, uh, we have brands that we go to for nutrition. Like you may go to one brand for your recovery and for the things you use during a race. Like for me, that's typically tailwind, but we had no company that you could go to for like all of the body products, the things that go on you. Uh, there was no one company out there for runners. Um, some of the products we used weren't necessarily specifically for runners at all. And I wanted to try to bring that all into one place. I hated when I would go into a running store and I'm looking for some, like whether it was from bug spray to chafing bomb, to sunscreen and so on. Um, I would go in and maybe they didn't even have some of the products, right? Like it, it was difficult to get some things. I would have to order some things ahead of time and it'd take a week to get it there. But I felt like runners should have a, you know, a company that they could go to that had everything alongside of that. There were a lot of products out there that we use as runners that weren't naturally made. And like Kathleen and I, ever since like we met, we've tried to both eat pretty well. We feel like the things that we do, we, we run to take care of ourselves. We try to eat well. We try to take care of things environmentally, so to say for, you know, more or less, but some of these products weren't natural at all, or they you couldn't even see the ingredients on some. Um, and we didn't really like that. So I had a friend that had been in the body goods business for about a decade uh, with a boutique type store, but she actually did things that weren't just uh, a soap because it smelled pretty. Um, she actually made products that had a purpose and of and using kind of traditional um old world herbs and the way they're supposed to be used um, and the way they're supposed to help your body. So I knew I was in a position career wise where I was about to leave the company I was with and either find a new company or this idea had been sticking around for a while. I talked to Kathleen about it and we were kind of in this position where it made sense for us to just at least look into it. So I talked to this friend of ours uh, who's now our production manager and we discussed some options on some things that we could make. And we started, actually, she would produce some of them and then we would test them and then we would talk about them and revamp them and go back at it kind of again and again until we nailed everything down. Now, honestly, we didn't have to go at them too many times over and over. She did an amazing job. Uh, she has a background in biology uh, along with her years of creating these products. So... That's kind of where we started. And what we began with was a, all the products are all naturally made. They're for the most part, they're essentially herbs and plants. Um, 
and no man-made chemicals and anything, but they cover the round of everything that endurance athletes need. So they're not necessarily just for runners, triathletes as well. Um, anybody that's, that's, I mean, even through hikers and other athletes and other sports as well too. But we started out with like a chafing bomb. That was always one thing to me where there were, there were really good, there, there was stuff that was really good that was completely chemical based. And then there was stuff that was good if it was up to like four or five hours that was naturally made, which I appreciated both companies like coming to be and actually making these things like tons of appreciation for that. But I felt like it could be done better with natural products. So we put together that chafing bomb and I've had nothing but great reports out of people um, from, I mean, all kinds of, whether it was their packs, whether it was people who said nothing worked for them whatsoever, uh, people that were having to tape certain places because chafing products always wore off. Um, I've kind of passed these out several times over and all those people have found ways to make those problems go away just using our chafing palm. Um, we had a, uh, well, he can get into that more, but I uh, had somebody that actually did, uh, did a race, did a hundred miler, only put it on once and said that was all he needed, um, which was really impressive for him. Um, from there, we also have our buck spray uh, that you talked about. It's just herbs. It's just plants. There's, I mean, we already know there's plants out there that tend to keep bugs away. And we found a way to put it into a body spray that does the same thing for you. And it doesn't smell bad and it's not sticky and it doesn't stick with uh, you. It smells great. It, and there's no DEET in it. That's the biggest thing. Like as runners, the first thing we're doing, we're, we're getting out, we're getting sweaty. And then we're spraying this stuff on, even if it's on our shirt, like our pores are all opened up and we're sweating. And if you're spraying on DEET and you don't think you're like absorbing it into your body, you're, you're kidding yourself. Um, so to just know that it's natural stuff, you even, you know, have people that feel fine putting it on their kids and that's what they buy it for. Um, from there, we move into some of the other products that we have. Um, recovery products are another big thing for us. So we actually do CBD products. Um, I know there's a lot of people out there that see those in kind of a real uh, hippy dippy kind of light, as I would as I would say. Um, the the stuff that we actually use is an isolate that's derived from hemp. Um, it doesn't have THC, delta eight, and delta nine in it. And part of the reason for that is, you know, when we're dealing with this with those things they can affect the, um, as, as it's, as it's been explained to me, they can affect the nerve receptors to pain. The, the, if you think about it, like THC, that's what gets people high. It affects the way the, the brain works. Um, and, but that actually affects the nervous system in a way that the isolate uh, is not supposed to, and part of our point in that is one, uh, USATF reasons, but the other one that's really important to me is I don't want you masking a nerve pain that could cause a, a serious injury um, when you're going out and doing something like this. So the point of the isolate uh, is that it'll help reduce inflammation. It'll get the blood flowing. It does help reduce some of the pain. These are things that we know about it. But it's not as in in as intensive a way that it could possibly uh, be damaging other things. Now, I would tell everybody like you really shouldn't be using this stuff to try to mask any pain and do you know more serious uh, do other serious work and hope that it's going to 
you know, prevent you from getting injured. You need to be very mindful of that. Um, from there, uh, that same, well, we also have our pain away lotions, which are designed to kind of reduce inflammation and get the blood flowing. They work really well, uh, just in like sore muscle situations to try to help relieve some of that. Our bath bomb, uh, should be taking the place of your, your Epsom salt bath. I'm as a guy, I'm not big on the whole, like the bath bomb thing wasn't my thing. You might've been thinking the same thing. Like, ah, that's not something I do, but Epsom salt baths with a purpose when I need them. I've done that plenty of times. So after I actually used the bath bomb and realized how much more effective it was, I realized I could get back to a hard workout sooner. So if I had a hard, you know, long run on Saturday, I'm usually beat up for a couple of days. And on Monday, it's probably going to be an easy run. But with this, I'm feeling fresh again. And by Monday, I feel confident in actually putting in a good workout. Um, so it gives me more room in my week to try to get in better work. Um, don't get me wrong. Rest is, you know, super important. But if you if you try one of these out, you'll see the difference that I'm talking about. And it's really a matter of trying to reduce injuries as well. If I'm more recovered, then I'm less likely to have anything that happens to cause some kind of an injury because I have really sore muscles or I'm compensating somewhere or things like that. Um, probably a couple other things from there I'm not mentioning right now. I'm kind of rambling on about those, but that was our intention was to bring all of that stuff to people in one brand. And in doing so, you know, I wanted to do something career wise where I felt like I was doing good for the running community. Um, that opportunity was in front of me and I think, you know, it, and you kind of said it the other day, like, that's what I love to do. I probably love crewing and pacing more than I do racing. You've probably seen me do that five times as much as I have gotten into any race. Um, but I love to help others and see others succeed in this sport and do amazing things like run a 100 miler that they've, you know, they never thought they'd be able to do or a 200 miler for that matter. Like that's what makes me happy. And doing this will give us the opportunity to play a little piece in other people's, you know, in other people's races and in their training to be able to help them succeed in achieving the goals that they've been after. And that to me is like a really powerful thing uh, that I now get to be a part of. So we're not just doing it because we saw that there was a gap to fill there, there was, and that it made sense. You know, I had the resources to pursue this, but at the end of the day, it's something you know, when I go to sleep, I can feel really good about doing and I can feel really good about telling people, you know, that this is what we're in it for. It's to, to hopefully help people in their races and in running and in whatever sport it is that they, they decide they want to do just to get to play a little part in that is pretty magical to me. Yeah. And like you mentioned, I didn't even think about it until you said it. Um, I mean, there's, brands that sell shaping balm, uh, other ointments and whatnot. But I was thinking of it when you said it, there's not a single brand that has a comprehensive inventory. Mm -hmm. Um, 
like I'm not going to name the other brands, but when I think of them, I'm just like, oh, they don't have that. They don't have it. So mm-hmm. like hearing you explain it, it makes like even more sense. Um, it's kind of nice having that comprehensive like selection that you guys are working on over there. And from the stuff that yeah. I've used, you know, I love the bath bombs. Like I said, the first bath bomb I ever used. And that was right after I did a, a snow drop, that timed race. Yeah. Um, I actually used it. I actually went home after 48 hours, um, got in a bathtub, used it, rested a bit, went back out for the last like five hours. And I was able to run again. I mean, so that was my first nice. experience. It was, it was actually in the middle of that event where my legs <laughs> were just trashed from all nice. the Nice, nice, nice. Um, and then the bug spray, obviously. Um, have I've used the chafing bomb. I've had no issues or complaints with that. I uh, usually sometimes the best news is no news. That's uh, exactly so, with that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, God, <laughs> and just to cover it, Deer, Deer and Bigfoot, I had my feet taped, by the way. <laughs> just to clarify, yeah. I went with the I mean, taping so, method for a 200 miler. <laughs> so you're the foot dude. You you directly dealt with my feet during, yeah. even after the race. Um, I did. Those rocks were insane. Um, but during that race, you did, I, uh, I did the CBD. You gave me some of the CBD ointment. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially on my shins, I was always good to go on the way out. Now, obviously, yeah. 200 miles, 250 miles, still 250 miles. It fucking it's painful, especially as a bigger, taller guy. So, yeah, like, but I've enjoyed all the stuff that you have let us use that we bought from you to try to you know experiment with. Yeah, and you are a very altruistic and very selfless individual. Thank you, man. You are always out there wanting to pace and crew. Like, like I told you the story is just like, I barely knew you plan on doing brass bent <laughs> alone. You know, it's like, or this can be a hundred miler. I'm not going to tell anyone just because it's going to be a shit show, but you are out there crewing and supporting. And just like from what we've talked about, you're, you're always willing to do that. Um, I hope your uh, brand succeeds. It comes from a great place and you guys have great products. And like I said, you just returned from doing a a racing event. It sounds like you got a few more of those reaching out to people. I love the branding. Um, Like there's limitless, limitless possibilities. Um, So yeah, you just started this company. You were juggling that with Bigfoot training. Plus, you know, you have a wife that likes to do some crazy stuff as well. Yeah. Like, you know, it's just a lot to do and juggle at once, but you're over here doing it. Uh, Bigfoot was a great success. And um, I have no doubt that Wild Sense will be just as big or if not better success. Uh, Just keep plugging away at it, man. I'm really impressed by your stuff. Um, and that white hat, that white wild sense hat, man. That's a that's a sexy hat. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't I don't think Regina deserves that hat. <laughs> I'm gonna take it from her. <laughs> now, cannot possibly put that on my head, but yeah. So, congratulations on Wild Sense, man. It's it's great. We would like I, I, to. Oh, I was gonna say oh. as well. There's there's other plans for other products in the future too that we haven't. Uh, that we haven't gotten launched yet. So if you think, man, why don't you guys have this stuff? Um, 
it, there may be a chance that we're just still kind of in the process of working on that. Um, and, and maybe bringing things out in the future, or if there's things that you see that, you know, we, that need to be out there for runners, please feel free to like bring them our direction. We're happy to hear about it and, you know, explore that as well. Um, but really what we could use is just kind of the support. If you're thinking like, I wish you had this and I wish you had that know that we kind of have to get things up and rolling and, and get things rolling well so that we can move into more and more products for you guys as well too. So just taking off, uh, you know, one piece at a time and trying to take it one step at a time. So but we look forward to seeing where it goes and what all we can expand to. Yeah, for sure. We'll continue to support. I need to buy some stuff. It's been mm -hmm. a hot minute. I usually have a third party that's buying for me. So it's <laughs> uh, probably my turn to contribute to that. Um, but yeah, for, you know, we'll include a link and whatnot. Right on. Uh, and, and we're also working on trying to work on uh, getting with other running stores and setting up with other running stores. And my, at the end of the day, right now we're doing most things online, but at the end of the day, the ultimate goal is that you can go to your running store just like I wanted to and walk in and say, hey, where's your WildSense stuff? And go in before a race and pick up your bath bomb for after the race and pick up your chafing bomb and your bug spray and everything else that you need. Uh, but it's just going to take us a little while to get there. So, you know, in the meantime, just, uh, doing what we can online through the website. Yeah. And for anyone listening, the first one to, uh, hit us up after listening to this episode, uh, we will, uh, get you some wild sense products on our behalf, uh, happy endings behalf, uh, we'll place an order. We'll continue to, uh, support, you guys as you continue to grow during these busy times and successful times um so yeah as of right now what's the best way to get a hold of you guys if you want a product um wildsensegoods.com is the website i'm sure you'll put it up in the notes later and uh that that's the easiest that's our website to find our products uh, we will be at all the tejas trail races throughout the year um so you can find us there, actually bump into me, say hello, ask questions, you know, actually buy the products there. And uh, then our Instagram, you can find out a lot about us, kind of who we are, what we're all about. Um, we try to be real active on there, not just in advertising for our products, but letting you know who we are, what we're about, uh, starting to talk about ambassadors and bring those on and what races and things we have going just to let you know who we really are and that we're real people. Uh, just like you guys. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, it's the messaging behind everything that you're you're promoting and selling is just is just absolutely fantastic. It's just uh, who we are. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great, and it is. Is you know, I know from firsthand experience. Just like I said before, you guys really are involved with the community. Really want to help. Put your best foot forward without even having to try, you guys just do. Um, <laughs> so it's really awesome. Really proud to call you my friend. Congratulations on Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Congratulations on WildSense. Um, we'd like to continue to check in with you over, over time uh, regarding WildSense and then, you know, whatever crazy races you have coming up. Absolutely, um, man. Congratulations on this mammoth race like i don't i i'm hoping to do it next year um yeah. you know I, as of now i am obviously um i'm, al I'm already planning out your i'm already 
yeah. planning out your logistics for you, dude. Yeah, but <laughs> you know, so I, I I hope to even have half the issues or uh, not half the issues. I hope to have even just like half of the success that you had, at least mentally with this race. Sounds like yeah, you it will. was fantastic on your end, but you also entered it with a, such a positive mindset of gratitude. So um, that's another way of thinking. I've never thought about it that way. Like we get to do this. I'm mm-hmm. out here where we want to be. Um, so that's always a, a great place to approach things and something that I've, I've just kind of often overlook even though I know my heart is there, it's just like oh, yeah, a different angle of looking at it. So something that I'll try to approach things with going forward. Um, so thank you for your time, Jason. We're going to end this uh, with something called Can't Let It Go, where anything the past week, running or non-running related, that's on your mind, you know, at the forefront of your mind. Um, since I'm the only one here with you, I'll go first. I don't have too much, except uh, it's been, you know, Let's see. Wow. The last time that we were on, it's been a while. I DNF'd two straight races back back week instead of heat issues, vomiting, super nauseous, and I could not care less. Uh, they were just kind of last second races. But now I'm deciding I'm just going to take the rest of the year pretty chill and um, planning out my next uh, next year's race schedule, which as of now is going to get pretty meaty. I got into Bigfoot today for next year, which is great. So that along with Tahoe, looking at some other big races, I just love the 200s. And as we alluded to earlier, they're popping up like crazy now. Um, (laughs) Like weeds. (laughs) Yeah, they're just like three brand new ones. Like one in Georgia that was announced not too long ago. And today, one in Colorado that's coming. uh, Hopefully next year, depending on permits, which I won't be doing anytime soon. That's yeah. average 10,000 feet elevation, man. That's, I need to get acclimated to that. I'll get and, elevation sickness just crewing that one. <laughs> yeah, and then, oh yeah, I was I was feeling a little something <laughs> at Leadville. I was like, God, I'm so happy I'm not having a pace right now at Leadville. Um, and we'll talk more about Leadville next week. But, and then, yeah, like I said, this one, apparently Run Bum is going to do a 200 miler. It's got that message. So it's just it's just a lot, but it's a great great place to be. Oh yeah, destination trail, uh, potentially a close to 300 miler. I think it's a little less, but who knows? In Southern Arizona, so it's a great time. In many ways, also financially, uh, some maybe a bleaker outlook on that. These are not cheap races. Another reason to finish strong. So yeah, so that's my can't let it go. Jason, what is yours? Epclusa. Sorry, uh, I could not find the unmute button. <laughs> My mouse was off. Yes, uh, you were right to pause there because um, I don't know if you actually said something or. I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you said something. <laughs> Epclusa. Epclusa. Okay. Yeah, it, it's something you could talk to your doctor about. It has a 98% cure rate for hep C. So, yeah, yeah. So I I thought it would be something that Stephanie might be interested in for for you and for the podcast as a whole. Epclusa. Epclusa. Yeah, you can Google this. Talk to your doctor about it. So we can change our names to the Happy Endings Pacing and Crewing back to hep C. 
without fear of this being a chronic long-term thing? No, no, no. What I'm saying is, you know, you could get a prescription to Epclusa and then you would no longer have a concern. Stephanie and, and the rest of the team would no longer have a concern about Hep C for Happy Cast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it's a huge concern on her end. <laughs> she does not so, like that word Hep C. Wow. <laughs> I wish she was here for this. So, I mean, you know, you might need to be cautious of uh, going to high elevations and taking this or, you know, you probably shouldn't consume it, you know, while you're pregnant and drinking and, you know, smoking cigars. Uh, but all in all, aside from all the risk factors, it seems like it could be something that could be beneficial to you guys. Honestly, in our field, what we do for a living, especially me on the medical side, I think like there's, I avoid all bodily fluids as one should. I avoid all needles. I don't, you know, I avoid anything that could stab. And then unfortunately, uh, someone that likes to create wounds on every inch of my body at any given time. Um, I constantly wrap things up. So I'm avoiding all forms of hepatitis, hep A through Z. Uh, well, then Epclusa might be for you. Yeah, no, I just like if I could take less preventative measures, knowing that I could just take Epclusa, um, then yeah, I could maybe live a little more free, do some dirty, dirtier races. Like Blood Rock 100 would be less scary. That's, you know, I don't want to fall on a, like, I don't know. So, yeah, no, this is great. I'm going to let Stephanie know about this. Uh, also, it's just fun to say. It's probably even more fun to Google. So I'm going to do that after this is over. <laughs> so was that your can't let it go? or is there Yeah, that's else? that's totally my like can't let it go. Is, uh, I wanted, so to, happy wanted to bring Eclusa. I wanted to bring Eclusa to you guys to just, you know, reduce the Hep C it sounds like possibilities. Medusa's sister or evil twin <laughs> sister or evil stepsister. Uh, so that's great. With Hep C? Medusa's yeah. evil oh, with sister with Hep C. <laughs> Hep C sounds like a children's drink, by the way. I don't know. Is it, oh, is it that, that orange orange drink I'm thinking of? Vitamin that's, C? That's high C. Yeah. High C? Oh, God. It's not, right. not that's a little different. Let's not, let's not bring the children yeah. into this. You're going down a rabbit hole that may just yeah. not be good for my brand now. Like I was, I was just going to touch on it, but you're just taking it. Anyway, yeah, we're going to end on a high note, uh, a high C note. Um, so thank you everyone for tuning in for this two part, uh, series on Jason Hanley's Epic Bigfoot finish. Uh, and the launch of Wild Sense Goods. We wish him well. Thank you so much. We hope to have you back on in the near future for some updates uh, or if you're doing any other crazy race soon. Um, so much better than Kathleen's appearance. I appreciate that. <laughs> I don't know why I'm putting her name in my mouth and dragging her. She's not going to listen to this anyways. Uh, anyways, yes, <laughs> congratulations once again. Thank you. As always, Mo knows. Um, I guess this is where I do it. Happy endings. And oh, just no. me yeah, there you go. He's got it. So thank you for joining. Everyone have a great week. See you next time.